I was actually updating some code the other day and I wish that I had a test. Ooh. I was, yeah, Ooh. I know. I, should we stop recording? No. <laughs> yeah. That's it, we're done. I was, I was, we're done. We did it. We, we hit I the point, guys. The, the launch. <laughs> You're listening to Working Code and now your hosts who wish they were Boolean so the next time they're wrong, it's only by a bit. Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 164. And on today's show, we're going to do another potluck. We've got a couple of small topics to just kind of squeeze them together and that makes a show. But first, we'll, as usual, we'll start with our triumphs and fails. And Tim wasn't here last week, but he's back briefly this week. So we'll just let Tim go first. How are you, man? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to start with a failure. And in fact, actually, I'm just going to do the fit, do the uh, triumphs and fails and then leave. So I don't know how to put this. So back in 2020, my mom fell and broke her hip, one of her hips. And then so because of that, she's been kind of frail and my dad's pretty much been a full-time caretaker of her. So I go up every on Fridays and like give my dad a break so that he can, you know, get, take care of things and not be constantly worried. Well, I was up Friday. My sister was also down visiting from New York and she, and then a few hours after I left, I found out my mom slipped and fell and broke her other hip. Oh, jeez. Oh no. So she had surgery on Sunday and the surgery went well, but it's like she was pretty frail as it was. And now she's got two broken hips and mm. she is a wimp when it comes to dealing with pain. <laughs> but at the same time, she also doesn't want to take drugs to help with pain. She, she like just take Tylenol. She doesn't get addicted. One of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So they, you know, she wanted to go home afterward and they, and they pretty much told her you have to do physical therapy at a live-in facility. And she's like, Adamant, she's not going to a nursing home that's for old people. And, <laughs> and I'm like, mom, you're, you, you turned 76 this month. You kind of are an old person. In fact, you actually look about 80 because you're so frail and lost all this weight and have no muscle mass. So that's been really hard this past few weeks dealing with, dealing with that. And my dad, my dad is not one to stand up to her. She's a very headstrong person. And my dad's, you know, he, he's a people pleaser. And so, you know, it's been hard for him to stand up to her and say, no, you're Fortunately, we found there was a hospital about 20 minutes from their house. That is actually, it's a hospital, but they have 25 rooms for rehab. Oh, nice. So technically it's not a nursing home. It's, that makes her feel, she can rationalize that a little nice. bit better. Good it's pull. just an extended hospital yep. stay. And so they can take care. And also she has like really weird things going on with her blood pressure. So they can manage all that. And uh, so that's, I was just there today. They were doing physical therapy on her and she, she absolutely hates it. It's a huge amount of pain. Just, you know, therapy was stand for 10 minutes Mm. and then sit in a chair for 30 minutes. That's, that's what we're talking about here, right? Wow. She can't do anything for herself. So it's just, it's just hard whenever you, sorry. It's okay. You just, I just remember my mother as this beautiful, vibrant woman. She's tall and thin and gorgeous, dark black hair and bright, bright blue eyes, and pale skin, and just, you know, the original hot goth before goth was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to see her now all curled up and like fingers balled up and, and just, mm. you know, getting old sucks. Yeah. Really Time does. is not friendly. No. It is not, it is nobody's friend. And I know none of us get out of here alive, but 
it's just the indignity of it just to see someone who is so full of life is and i'm sorry to turn i'm not going to turn this whole into a personal therapy <laughs> thing it just i just want to share with the with the folks with what's going on I, I may not be able to record as much as i want to in the future i'll try my best but the day i was there before she fell she was going my sister was there and she was cleaning my mom's a, a neat freak beyond belief she I had my sister dusting things that were not even dusty. <laughs> and she's going she she collects like plates and things and she had all she loved cooking and she loved throwing dinner parties and wine tastings and she had all these plates she had so many plates in this she's trying to give them away to me and i took some of them you know my daughter likes to bake so i got some baking things my mom used to be a, a fantastic cake decorator she did everyone's wedding cakes oh wow all of our friends growing up and she said something that struck me She's going through all this stuff and she's trying, she, she's looking at all these different plates. And she said, I had such great plans. And I think that's, that kind of sums up life, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have such great plans. There's so many things we want to do and we think we have time for it. And then something happens in our life and everything changes. And now we can't do the things we thought we were going to do. And that, that just sums it up in a nutshell. You know, I've got great plans, but I don't, I don't know what tomorrow holds. None of us do. Yeah. So I, I think the takeaway from that is, you know, be the best you can today because tomorrow's not guaranteed. Yep. I hate you're going through this, man. I yeah. wish there was something we could do to help. Yeah, me too. I, I just feel for my dad, right? He, my dad's, you know, he's will be 80 oh. soon, but he's in perfect health, takes no meds, you know, wow. Oh, wow. physical shape. And then she's, you know, he just lives for her now. That's all he does. He lives for her. So. Oh, man. But he did learn a term today. I, on one of my little newsletters, I get the sandwich generation. You know what the sandwich generation? No. I've not heard mm -hmm. that. Have you heard that? It, so it's it's basically the gener a generation of people that are, like me, who are taking care of their elderly parents, but also still have children at home. Oh, uh, wow. And so you got to help support both and just the amount of stress and strain that puts on families and that's that's kind of where i am right now i'm the, the sandwich generation there's going to be more people retiring this year than or at least turning 65 than ever in american history oh and wow. that will continue until 2027 so there's this huge wave of people that are retiring or at least hitting retirement age at 65 over the next three four five six three, six, what, three four or five years yeah than mm -hmm. ever in ever in human history or in american history and that, that's a huge, huge thing for society because all these, like 50% of pilots would retire in the next five years. Mm -hmm. My goodness. That's, that's, that's huge. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. There's a huge age shift going on right now. And then people over 65 hold more than half the, the wealth in the country. So there's going to be this huge shift of wealth among one generation to the next. So. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't heard yeah. of that. Yeah. So that's me. That's, that's, it's not really my fail, but I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going through a lot right now. So, yeah. Well, obviously take whatever time you need, sir. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're here for you and here to support you however we can. Appreciate it. Wish we could hug you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I feel, feel it feel, virtually. I, I don't know. I, I don't know about everyone's parents, but I know during the pandemic, my mom definitely got older. Like I, I noticed pre pandemic to after the pandemic, she slowed down a lot. She's mm -hmm. just, more hunched over. And I know she's also gotten a couple of years older, but it does feel like the social isolation and being home all the time. I think it just aged people. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, I, I, agree. I totally agree with you because I was like, we was looking at pictures of 2019, right? Like the summer of 2019, we were all together, all, all of my sister and our kids and, and them and, you know, everything was great. And then what a difference one year made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll go to all my local butcher shops and I'll send you a care package of all the testicles I can find. <laughs> Thanks, <Aww. man. laughs> you know my love language. <laughs> Cooking exotic testicles, <laughs> which will be coming up in March. We're doing that dinner again, so I'll be pl- oh, wow. planning planning for that. Can you just imagine, like, if if this was somebody's first episode, and that's <laughs> <laughs> they just heard that? Yeah, you'll just have to go back and and listen to the back catalog, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, man, I, I I'm, it sucks to have to follow that. I'm real sorry to to hear that, Tim. <laughs> yeah, follow that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And on top of it, I'm going to try to squeeze in a triumph here, but oh, uh, rub it in. Sure. <laughs> sorry, but uh, you know, life happens to all of us, and there's ups and downs, and sometimes our our waves go opposite each other. Anyway, so I, I mentioned in the past that my company has been looking to participate in the Drexel University Co-op program, and so we are officially involved in that now, and. On Friday of last week, so almost a week ago now, in a single day, I might add, I reviewed 142 resumes, Dang. <laughs> which is a ton. And so now I have feelings on what makes a good resume and what doesn't, at least for that initial winnowing process where you decide like, okay, do I want to look at this more closely or not? But yeah, so I, yeah, I went down from 142, I narrowed it down to the, initially like the top 20 or so, and then we're down to like seven now. And so those seven people we're going to start interviewing, I think, either tomorrow or, or next week. So uh, it's happening. And looks like we're probably going to be hiring somebody here soon. Very exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a intentionally time-boxed thing, right? It'll be somebody they'll start in early April, and they'll probably be done in September sometime. So in a lot of and ways, that's a positive, right? Like, it, it, it gives us an easy out if it's not working out. Yeah. And this is for coding? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be an engineering, like a junior engineer position. Is it it technically an internship? They call it a co-op, which I'm sure has very specific implications. Mm. My understanding of the program is that it is a, like it's a four-year degree, but a significant portion of it is, I think you either do two or three co-ops and a co-op is this like semester long you don't take courses you work right so you work 35 to 40 hours a week and that is your course load for that semester and and they i believe that they alternate right so you like you you join the program you do a semester of courses a semester of co-op a semester of courses a semester of co-op etc that sounds really really awesome Yeah. yeah yeah so you get a lot of exposure to different stuff and I always wished I could go back to school. In theory, I don't know how much I'd actually enjoy it. But I, I always felt like I would get so much more out of school now having yeah. actual on-job mm-hmm. experience. And I would Same. understand the concepts a little bit more. And I know which questions to ask. You yeah. Know? yeah. yeah. Now, now you understand what my teachers would always say. Education is wasted on the young. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so true. It's yeah. like true. I didn't know what I was getting when I got it, right? <laughs> so just briefly, Tim, you'll be happy to hear that one of the patterns that I saw among these 142 resumes was some testing stuff. I know that came up for you in the past. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, you know, for, when for you're Bryce looking Sun's at, college education, where they haven't even talked about it yet. Right. 
Yeah. When you're looking at 142 resumes of people all basically enrolled in the same degree program, you know, there's going to be a lot of overlap in what classes they take, that sort of thing. So like, you know, on people's resumes, it says, I, I took this course and we made, you know, we used Java to make this banking system and we use TDD and I wrote this many tests and, and, you know, something about mutations and this and that. And it's like, everybody has their own spin on the way that they phrase it, but the, everybody has that in their resume. So it's like, oh, mm-hmm. you took that course. Okay. <laughs> Was there anything that felt like it had been written by ChatGPT? Like someone's like, hey, make my resume sound better. I don't think so. Hmm. Nothing stood out to me as like obviously, what's the word that they use? Like daydream or something? Like where it just makes up weird stuff. (laughs) Hallucination. (laughs) Hallucination, yeah. So none of them said like in conclusion. (laughs) No, although like, all right, resume hot tips. I don't need a paragraph on how you are an amazing leader for your job flipping burgers at Burger King. Like that is not throwing any shade at having a job at Burger King, but when you're applying for a coding position, just list the fact that you worked there, you know, the 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 times or whatever and like, you know, what you did there, just so I know you're able to hold down a job, right? Like yeah. you're going to show up. <laughs> sort of thing. I don't need a whole paragraph about that position. Save that space because, you know, there's a lot of these resumes where people, these people very much bought into the, it has to be just the front of one sheet of paper, right? No more, no less. And so you'd see a lot of people squeezing stuff in to fit it all on one page and then spend, you know, give me three or four bullet points about their their job at Chick-fil-A. I'm like, come on, cut that and, and give me more relevant work experience or, you know, the stuff you're excited about in tech or your coursework or whatever, something relevant to the job you're applying for. And then something none of them did. I don't think a single one of them did like, like a sort of a personal statement or an objective, which I've always had at the top of my resume. Yeah, me too. Um, is, you know, like this is what I'm trying to do. This is the type mm-hmm. of person that I am sort of thing. And that we can discuss it maybe more later, but that would have been very helpful in my initial, you know, pairing down from 100 and whatever down to initial 20. And some of them may not know where they want to go yet, right? So they may not have an objective. It's just get my foot in the door is my only objective right now. And then I'll figure out where I want to go in technology. But that could, that's a totally valid way to phrase it, right? A personal, I was talking to Steve about this. Like, you know, when you're looking at these resumes, some of them, their, their school coursework has been very clearly on like systems programming and video game stuff. Like they talk about using Unity and very specific, like two, two and a half D top down game stuff for their projects. And great, that's fine. But like if, if, I, if you had a statement at the top of your resume that was just like, I'm super excited about all things computers, everything from game development to web development. I don't know what, you know, what I want to go into, but I'm excited about it all. That's fine. Like yeah. that, that means for me that the, the video game stuff is not so much a, a commitment in a direction as it is a exploration for you. Yeah. Whereas if you don't have that statement and all of your coursework is systems and game stuff and you're applying for a web job, that pretty much sorts you to the bottom of the pile. Yeah, I'm gonna assume you're not gonna have fun doing this job. You're right. not gonna you're not gonna learn a lot. Like you're gonna be thinking about other things you wanna do. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a weird experience. I know we're I'm taking up a ton of time for my triumph here, but there was such a weird Jeez, experience. Adam, to go through. <laughs> this is my show. It's all about me. <laughs> Don't forget. You're turning into Ben now. Um it's such a, it was like a meta experience, right? I'm going through all these resumes and I'm like, 
realizing that I'm, uh, I'm the way I'm behaving, right? The way that I'm thinking about these resumes. And I'm like, is that a fair way to think about it? And then I'm like having a meta thought about that. It's like, well, but you know, this is the game They're They submitted their resume and they, you know, they're participating in this process and this is, you know, there has to be a way to do it. You have to sort them somehow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. And so like, you, you can only go so many layers deep on, on like, but really I should think about it this way. And so at the end of the day, you just have to like pick a system and commit and, and some people might get unfairly or incorrectly sorted out, but you know, that's. You're human. You do the, the best you can. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm excited to so, see where this takes you. Me too. Very That'd excited. Be I've been, I, I read, I guess might be my first true like engineering management book in the last Ooh. week or two. Very cool. The, it's called Scaling People by, I forget her name. I'm so sorry. The woman, it's a, it's a straight press book. She's a very well-known engineering manager, leader. She worked at Stripe. She worked at Google. She worked at YouTube. I, um, I think she was just interviewed on the Lenny podcast recently for her book. Not a podcast I'm familiar with. Oh, bro. Oh, oh. <laughs> you send me the, some links. The, the Lenny podcast, it's amazing. It's, it's just a guy interviewing all these product and marketing leaders. Mm-hmm. And it's just so, it's dripping with interesting information about Is running. Is his name Lenny? Yes. Uh, spell his last name. <laughs> L-E. It's L-E-N-N-Y. I think, I think it's just called the Lenny Podcast. The, the, the cover, the logo, the avatar is like a microphone that looks like it's a match tip and it has a little fire on it. Okay. I'll have yeah. to look that up. Oh, bro. So good. Well, thanks for the tip. I'm not finding it all right, yeah, right now, but uh, you know you can you can send yeah, me. Yeah, a link. I'll, I'll send you a link for sure. Cool. All right. Before we get, like, we're already almost 20 minutes in here, so let's let's move on. That's it for me. How about you, Ben? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go with just a quick failure, which is that I often forget how subjective everything in the programming world is, and oftentimes when I'm speaking, it's me trying to process my own thoughts and feelings and insecurities and hopes and dreams. And last week we had a, I I thought was a very interesting discussion about the values of learning and and how we think learning gets woven into our day-to-day lives. And, And I think maybe I was judgmental about certain things in a way that felt like maybe it attacked the way other people like to learn. And I just want to say that that was not intentional and I apologize for that. And again, when I speak, it's, it's almost always about me trying to understand how I see the world. And that's just not going to be how everyone sees the world. And, and I think a perfect example of this is the number of monitors. I have one monitor, and I think this monitor is actually too big. Like, I wish this monitor was actually <laughs> a little smaller. It's really, it's re- what I want is like a taller monitor. And this is a, a studio, an Apple studio display. And mm-hmm. so I, when they had the diagonal measurements, when you go to order it, I, I think it's like, I don't know what it is. 24 inches or something. And I just thought it was going to be higher, but it's like, it was like this, it's like the same height as my old monitor, but wider. And I'm like, I don't need wider because all (laughs) of my windows are always maximized. So now I'm like, when I'm in my IDE, I have to make my left column really wide for my files so that my code is kind of in the right place. Anyway, I like one monitor. I used to have two a long time ago. It was too many, but I know that there's (laughs) a lot of people who have like four monitors and they swear by it. And there's, there's just nothing we will ever say to each other to understand where the other person is coming from because we're just subjectively experiencing the world differently. And, and I just have to remember that. And, I, and when I talk about things, 
with, let's say, passionate points of view, I have to remember to caveat that that it is how I'm seeing the world and how I'm experiencing the world. And, and nothing I'm ever saying here is ever meant to attack or belittle the way anyone else experiences or sees the world. So oh, that, uh, that, was, that was a real apology. You got to do it yeah. like Hollywood. I'm sorry if you were offended. <laughs> I'm sorry that you suck so much. <laughs> <laughs> if, if what I said hurt your widow feelings, uh-huh. I'm sorry that you're so sensitive. <laughs> So that's me. I can do better well, and I will do better. No, no, no. Let me stop you there. Like, yeah. okay, we all on this show occasionally should play a, a, a toilet flushing sound effect after some of the stuff that comes out of our mouths. But <laughs> that aside, that aside, it generated a good discussion, right? I don't think mm-hmm. we've had a topic on the show recently in like the last three months that has generated as, mu- as much discussion. And it wasn't just people saying Ben is terrible. And there wasn't even much of that, right? It was a lot, it generated a lot of earnest back and forth discussion about the topic, about learning and exposing yourself to new tech. And I think that that is awesome. And that was mm-hmm. the intended result. What Maybe Discord channel a, was this in if someone wants to go in and find this? Oh God, there's so many of them. The early access channel. Was it? Okay, it probably so only was. Only Patreons it, yeah. have it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I just saw you guys were talking about exposing yourself and I'm like, man, I'm glad I wasn't on that call. <laughs> He does listen. (laughs) All right. So that was me. Carol, why don't you bring us home here? Well, I'm going to bring us home with a failure. So maybe I shouldn't bring us home, but I'm going to. So I've been writing a lot of tests and trying to do better at developing tests. That's a triumph. Good job. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Before I develop code. And it's working great because let's be real. When you run a giant project, hitting build and sitting and waiting is no fun. So it's just easier Mm. to write tests, run a test, and then go build it all later. Well, I hit a point where I had a cert is equal and what should have been three and three, which means does three equal three? I can't tell you how long it's like took me to figure out that is equal, checks the type, and the first three was an int 32, and the second three was an int 64. So it was always oh, false man. because it wasn't the value, it's the type. I was like, are you freaking <laughs> kidding me? I was what, like banging my head on the wall. This is in VB and C Sharp. Okay. Yeah. I was like, there's no way. Three is three. Yes, this is true. Yeah. Why is my test failing? <laughs> three is three. Three is three. Three is three. So... It made me very, very sad that I spent so long trying to figure out why three didn't actually equal three when it does. It's just of different types. <sighs> yeah, some mm-hmm. some threes are bigger than other threes, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, that sounds like one of those things that we all just have to fight with at some point. And you, you earned that battle scar and someday somebody will be like, Carol, can you just look over my shoulder because... This is not making any sense. And you're going to go, actually, I can, t- I can tell you exactly what's going on. <laughs> actually. Let me, let me, so. let me Google that for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It reminds me of a time, I think this is a long time ago. I was helping someone trying to debug a customer support ticket. And this user was trying to log in and they had their email and they had their password. And they're like, I just can't log in. It keeps telling me that it's the wrong thing. And we're looking at the support ticket, the email, we're looking at the email in the database. We're like, it's the exact same email. It must be the wrong password. So it's going through the password reset and that's not working. And then finally, I mean, like hours at some point, 
some, I, I think I just randomly copied the email out of the database <laughs> and pasted it into my IDE and suddenly like a zero with space character showed up, mm. you know, in the middle of the email. Mm-hmm. Like, how did those even get in there? So yeah. ridiculous. Those things. It just occurred to me, like on a login form, if you're, if you are writing something like that, maybe like strip out anything that's not, you know, alphanumeric zero through nine and an at and mm-hmm. a dot and underscore, you know, like, yo. yep. I, I literally on Monday added a user defined function called power trim to our login <laughs> page. Fancy. And that's exactly what it does. It, it does it just on the leading and the trailing white space, but there's, mm. there's like 30 different white space characters, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how hard you squint line separators and paragraph separators and vertical tabs and horizontal tabs and all like zero all with space and yeah no breaking spaces zero with spaces hair like hair thin spaces like all these really mm-hmm. really weird things and i had to add a, a function because that exact same thing just came up and i just happened to see it in the logs because it was actually java was throwing a parsing error that it was i was mm-hmm. passing is valid and I was saying, is this a valid email to the is valid function? And Java was throwing a parsing error. Um, and thankfully, in the logs, it was it was like showing up as a question mark where that crazy character was. Hmm. Cool. Good All right. Well, I guess that wraps up our transfer fails. Tim, I know you said you were going to go. I'm not kicking you out. You're welcome to stick around. No, I, like. I, I, I'm going to go. I, I don't have the emotional wherewithal yeah. to have we love you. longer conversation. Tim, Thanks, yeah, guys. Your heart matters. Matters. thank you. Yeah. Your, your heart matters. Well, before we get into our potluck for today, if I'm not mistaken, I wait, did that wait, did last week's I gotta go look it up. Sorry. Okay. 163 landed yesterday, which means that um, this one will land on the this 31st. one will land on January 31st. Okay, good. I think somebody else updated the date in the document and that threw me off because I knew I hadn't updated it. But yeah, if I had updated it, it would say January 31st, not January 31th. But <laughs> anyway, okay, so this episode lands on January 31th, which means that, oh, that <laughs> which is means awesome. that today, if <laughs> today, if you are listening to this when it comes out to the public, is your last opportunity to join our our Patreon and get access to Patreon exclusive, never again available stickers. Ooh, and fancy. Just join our Patreon. Make sure you get your address in. And in case you haven't heard, so we generated some stickers using AI and made some improvements on them. But, you know, podcast rate relevant, just silly stickers, nothing amazing, but, you know, like little inside jokes or whatever. And basically, if you are, we have three tiers on our Patreon. If you're first tier, then you get just the first sticker. If you're second tier, then you get the first and the second sticker. And if you're the third tier, then you get all three stickers. Um, What if you're a host? Join our Patreon, then you get all three stickers, Carol. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so join our Patreon. Make sure that you get your address in there. You have to like add your address to Patreon. And then there's like a, a way to, there's like a checkbox or something to share it with us and make sure you do that so that we can send you stickers. That I think is the last I have to say on that because after this, they're going out. So get them in. Noise. All right. Potluck. Who wants to go first? All right. So. As we've talked about many, many, many times on this podcast, at work, I have historically worked on the legacy platform and basically what? everybody else works. I know, shocking. <laughs> basically, everybody else works on the modern platform. And as a steward of the legacy platform and as a supporter of the legacy platform customers, 
I have always positioned my job as doing everything that I can to create a better experience on the legacy platform. This has been met with much scorn, both internally and externally to the company. There have always been a lot of people who don't understand why I would take a position that I am supporting my customers and and that I'm in fact, some people will assert that I'm doing my customers a disservice. And I don't remember what the reasoning was exactly, but that has been thrown out there. And as you may have heard on them reasons to not move on to the new platform or something, maybe I, I don't even know. I don't even know. I think it was, I think it was maybe more like if like the only job I should be doing is trying to get people to the modern platform Mm. and that everything else is a waste of time. I could be wrong, but I feel like maybe that's what the sentimentality was. If, If you've been listening to the show over the last couple of episodes, you may have heard that the company has been acquired and is now going to be shut down at the end of 2024. And people are not going to be migrated. There's no more migrations happening from the legacy platform to the modern platform. Everyone who's on the legacy platform, this is where they're going to end up until they stop using it until, or until we turn the lights off. Mm-hmm. And so I thought this was an interesting point of retrospective on how I've behaved. And I mean, my feeling is that I feel very vindicated. That there's nothing that I could have done within reason to have changed the outcome of this company, especially not in the last couple of years where it was a legacy versus modern platform context. You know, are there things I could have done earlier on in the company that could have helped steer the ship in a better direction? Yeah, probably there was, and and that's unfortunate. But given where we are now, where the legacy people never made it over to the modern platform, do I feel justified in having stood by them and stood by the philosophy of trying to create a better experience for them, even if it meant being on the legacy platform? And I say, yes, I think that the, the value I added was worthwhile and I'm standing by that. I don't know. Mm. I, I, I do feel so- a little bit vindicated is not the right word because mm-hmm. the company is going, is going to be shut down. So it's, that's a, like a weird mix of emotions. I've always felt like any customer deserves the attention because they agreed to a contract with the company. Whether the company made a bad decision in writing original contracts or now they don't make enough on it, that's not the customer's fault. Like that's on the company and the people there should still do everything to support those customers. And they shouldn't just be pushed to the side because they were in a position where they are now less valuable to the company than new customers are. Yes, exactly. And that's, and that's very much how I looked at it, that the, the customer should not have been a victim of the choices that the company made. That the customer is paying for a product, they're paying for support, and as the steward of the legacy platform, I always felt obligated and honestly very happy to try and provide that support in the best way that I thought I could, which was to create a more performant, more luxurious legacy experience. So I don't think anybody should be mad that you were trying to provide a positive experience for the customer, right? As a concept, that is a a good thing, right? Um, And I think that as long as you were acting within the boundaries of your job and your assignments right project assignments or or i was finding the edges of what was acceptable 
I'm trying to absolve you and you're yeah. over here like, well, where's the line of that? I'm going to paint outside that line too. The, I guess really what I'm trying to say is like, if it, there's the one way of looking at this is that if you were doing anything that you shouldn't have been doing, then it was your manager's responsibility to understand that that was happening and to manage you. Right. Mm-hmm. And if the problem, if the, if ultimately the cult- company whoever, you know, whosever opinion you want to assume that that means if the company doesn't like what you were doing, then that is the company's problem, right? Mm -hmm. And they should have managed you differently. Obviously we all want to try to avoid (laughs) getting put on a pip or something like that, right? Like we're trying to do what's right by the performance improvement improvement plan for anyone who's listening. Yeah. Basically, if you, if your manager is doing a good job, you should never be surprised that a pip is coming. (laughs) <laughs> but also if your manager's doing a good job, then, you know, either you will probably, well, I mean, if your manager's doing a good job and you get put on a PIP, it means you either have a lot of work to do or you probably are on your way out. But either way, you know, are you getting what I'm trying to say? Like at some point you can say no matter what was going on here, it was a failure of management if they decide they didn't like what you ultimately did. A failure of management, but I'd also say, and and, and not to be rude here, but sometimes people will will make a joke that uh, I'm having trouble coming up with a good example off the cuff, but it's like someone will bring their problem to a conversation and you're like, bro, don't make your problems my problems. Mm -hmm. And, And a little bit, I feel like I was, I was experiencing that at the company level. You know, the company made some crazy decisions and those crazy decisions put undue stress on the way we had to manage our infrastructure and manage our user base and build do competing platforms essentially. Mm. And I'm like, yo, don't make your problems my problems. Like my job is to maintain the legacy platform. Just because you guys made a bunch of terrible idea or you know terrible choices. I'm, I don't want to be too overly harsh. Just because you made a bunch of choices that turned out to be much harder and much less well considered in retrospect. Like don't make that my problem. That's your problem. Like you figure that out. I will continue to do my job maintaining the legacy platform. And, you know, I, I hate to ever judge the merits of something based on the outcome because so much of an outcome is luck as much as it is anything else, it seems like these days. So I hate to say, oh, well, the company ended up closing and the legacy platform never went away. And so that, in retrospect, justifies all of my feelings. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to mm-hmm. be able to stand by my decisions, not necessarily knowing what the future was going was gonna to be like. And I still feel like I was always making the right choice, that given an opportunity to try to create a better experience for the customers, I, I, I am convinced that I was doing the right thing. So there's a difference between doing something that a customer will appreciate and doing the thing that the business needs you to do, which is usually well aligned with what's good for the customer, but not always. But not and always. <laughs> so I, I want to draw a line here too between your job is not a police officer and you were not asked to do something immoral, right? To go like lock Correct. up all the minorities, right? We're, we're talking about writing software and you were trying to provide some better functionality for the people that were using the software that you wrote. So there's a there's a bit of a difference there. And I think that because of that, I'm willing to give you a little more leeway. <laughs> now I'll take it. <laughs> if if I was your manager, 
And I was like, look, Ben, keep it up, keep it online, you know, keep it reasonably feature parity with the the new platform or whatever. And and then we know with whatever time you have left over, I want you to work on X, Y, and Z. And you were like, 50% of the time that was left over, you worked on X, Y, and Z. And the other 50% of that time you spent on office hours and whatever other stuff, then I might have an issue with that. But only you and your manager know what, you know, how you spent your time, what you did. So, But are the views coming Just, from a manager I, person? That was a question for you, Ben. Are the views coming from a manager person? I mean, yeah. these opinions I, you're hearing, yeah. Yeah, these opinions, uh, it's yeah. It's coming from a lot of people. It's coming from managers. It's coming from engineers on the modern platform. It's coming from cough people in Discord cough. Um, <laughs> and it's, I was listening to an interview the other day. This may have even been the Lenny podcast. Circle back there. And they were interviewing this woman who, she was talking about raising money to start a company. And I forget exactly what the context was, but she ended up taking less money in the beginning because he wasn't sure how much money she was going to get maybe in future rounds and she just wanted to get something done. And at the end, she said that she felt very good about that. Or maybe it ended up being her suggestion at the end was when people are offering you money, take it. Like, mm-hmm. don't, don't be too choosy about who's giving you money if you want stuff to get done. And I think there is a virtue in doing to building value today that you know can happen instead of worrying about maybe building value in the future that's theoretical. You know, I had an opportunity to actually make a concrete difference for customers, which I felt always was more important than the theoretical value that I could maybe add in the future. And it feels like there's a moral obligation almost to take action now if I can. To a certain extent. Yeah. And and that's the thing that we always have to remember is it's not like I had a hundred engineers working under me and there were a hundred engineers on the modern platform. It was me, you know, Mm -hmm. and then 200 other engineers on the modern platform. It, it, It wasn't a competing set of armies. It was a ridiculously small minority of people. And, you know, for a while I had a couple of guys also working with me and we were all very passionate about the legacy platform. And, and I, again, I just, in retrospect, those legacy people, you know, like, and again, I don't want to judge the, the early decisions based on the outcome, but the people who are on the legacy platform, who have been on the legacy platform throughout this whole contentious way to be, they are going to continue to be on the legacy platform until the system ends. So would it have been better for those people to have never received any value in the last couple of years? Or was it ultimately better for me to have added value where I could, when I could, and made some small incremental difference in their lives? And, and I think the latter is, is, is the more virtuous choice. I All agree right. with you. Um, final verdict. Say two Hail Marys and an Our Father. <laughs> anyway, try, I'm trying to you know, take every opportunity I can here to, to squeeze some, some reflection and some retrospection out of life. Sure. I'll close it there. Okay. Carol? All right. So for my potluck, I just want to talk about how I'm working right now and how, like how my day-to-day is going and just kind of how things are going. So like I mentioned in the Triumph and Failures that 
I'm starting to write a lot of unit tests before I write real code. So I'm spending a lot of time mm-hmm. writing a lot smaller functions and smaller defined classes because those are testable a lot easier than when they're mm-hmm. in a massive function. So it's forcing me to develop and what I feel like is a more solid solution. And then I just go run my tests and then everything works. And then maybe twice a day, I actually build the project and run end to end and make sure everything still works because, you know, I can put in my test that I'm going to mock that everything is there. But that doesn't mean when I actually call it, I remembered to send through that model of data because I didn't and I had to go fix that. But that's okay. So the tests are going great. But what I'm not liking is I am on like an island all alone. (laughs) So had I had someone on my team, I might have, you know, not spent so much time looking at assert that is equal and seeing that my types were just wrong. Yeah, but instead of spending all day coding by myself, I go into some meetings, talk to people, but I am the only engineer on my team right now because we don't even know the direction that we're going to go yet. So there's no point in bringing anyone else onto the team because they're just going to sit with very little to do as well. So I'm just making improvements to the system to make things faster and changing how we're processing data in hopes that that is toward the final goal of what I will be doing. But I don't actually know if it's what I will be doing, but hopefully it'll be better. And that would be great. But I definitely miss working with people. I miss having an engineer on my team that I can just ping during the day and ask random questions to. Because when I ping anyone else, even though they respond and they're very helpful, I feel like I'm annoying them. Like I feel like it's not their job to work with me. (laughs) It's my own job to work with my own team, but I don't have a team. So that's my little little rant. You've you've been a little vague here. I don't know if you're allowed to or if you just don't want to or whatever. That any of the above is fine. But can you say what it is you're working on? Yeah, I work like, I know on. You said you're doing C sharp dot net, but like, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, so I I work for the government. So big old Uncle Sam. So I work for the Office of Personal Management, and I am working on the platform that other agencies and my agency uses to hire people. So it is the hiring okay. side of the people work. So it's how you onboard. It's how it's how the hiring manager does their work. So there's something called USA Staffing. That's what I build. And then there's USA Jobs. USA Jobs is where you would go to look up most federal jobs. So if you want to find the job mm-hmm. with the Army or the Department of Defense or, you know, one of the clerks for a judge, you would apply through USA Jobs. Uh, And then my software is what they actually use to audit, to handle the onboarding. It's what you do to, to get hired. It's the entire start to finish. So I am working on improving the process around how we handle the initial intake of data and making it to where you can do bulk intake instead of just one at a time. So like I'm working specifically with Treasury and IRS right now because they need to hire like 5,000 people all at once for tax season and for different times throughout the year, they do mass hiring. So they need to quickly spin up and have vacancies open relatively easily and just add people to those. So it's just a new structure. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah, whenever I get the opportunity and the motivation and the, I don't even know what the words are. When, whenever I end up doing TDD or even testing after the fact, just did you like ever whenever that I book, isn't there a book uh, you were reading for a really uh, oh, yeah, long yeah, yeah. time? I, I did, I, and I talked about it on the show. So okay, okay. way to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded familiar. 
Yeah. The so the book that you're referring to is, I believe, called TDD by Example by Kent Beck, and yes, it was a, a reasonably good book. If you if you don't mind Java, it, I would say it was okay. It was it, it painted the picture well. Anyway, yeah. What I'm trying to say is, I I too like writing tests. It just feels good. It feels healthy, right? It feels mm-hmm. like I know that I'm not messing stuff up, right? I'm, yep. I'm leaving stuff here to. You know, I know I'm going to be changing stuff as I go, and I know my tests will let me know if something broke. I was actually updating some code the other day, and I wish that I had a test. Oh, I was, yeah, Ooh. I know. I, should we stop recording? No. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. We're done. I was, I was, we did it. We, we hit I the point, guys. The, the launch, <laughs> I was updating the launch darkly Java SDK for feature flags. And I went from version five to seven, and there's some very mm-hmm. significant breaking changes in the way you identify users and how you create the little data structures behind the scenes. And uh, I was just like, ah, oh. I, because uh, as, as would I, as I have to do normally, I change the code and then I write some little test scripts to make sure that they're giving me all the right values. And I'm going in and I'm changing feature flags and I'm running the test script again to make sure that I'm getting the right evaluations. And mm-hmm. I did for a moment think, you know what? This would have been easier if I had some tests, <laughs> but, but you know, I still got the work done and it was bug free. There you go. But I, I definitely, I mean, Carol, I can absolutely relate to the idea of working in a vacuum and how it's, it's very mentally draining because you're having, it you're, it's like you're having two conversations. You're having the conversation with your code and then you're having the conversation with yourself about the code that you'd kind of rather be having with someone else. And it's like, you have to be two people at one time. I think this is the first time that I've actually pulled out a notebook and written logic down on paper because I needed to make sure that it made sense out loud and I didn't have anyone to speak it to or to run through and just chat with. So I had a notebook out Mm -hmm. just jotting down model and model changes and going, does this still make sense? And then I put it in code test and go, okay, yes, it still makes sense. Because the same thing, like usually I would go to someone and say, hey, listen to this. Like, am I crazy that this step isn't needed? There's no reason to even do this. We could just get rid of it, right? And I say that out loud and the dog just yawns and lays back down. You know, she doesn't really care that I said it out loud. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I have done that sort of thing occasionally. Uh, I know you're a very like handwritten notes yes. type of person, mm-hmm. Carol. So that doesn't surprise me. Me, I'm, I just, I feel better. I feel more productive writing notes like di- digitally, like, you know, in a text file or whatever. So I'll, I'll throw this out there as something that I've used that I really like. So I write a lot of notes in Markdown. And then when I want to do like flowcharts or something, there's this great plugin, or I guess it's like an extension of Markdown, something like that. It's called Mermaid, if you look Ooh. it up. It, and basically you write what looks almost like logic. You know, you write A and then dash dash greater than to be like an arrow B. And, and that's like a block named A and a block named B and an arrow between them. And then the next line, you can have B dash dash arrow you know, C or whatever. And you can have like branching, yes, no, you put labels on stuff. It, it, it's actually significantly powerful. And if I'm not mistaken, like if you know what a Sankey diagram is, this just came up at work the other day. That's why it's top of mind for me. Sankey? Um, S-A-N-K-E-Y. Mm. You should look it up. They're, they're pretty interesting. It's like visualizing people, well, not just people, but like flow through a system. And you can see like, so we used it to visualize event registration, right? So you send out an email inviting a bunch of people to register for a thing, right? So I send out an email to 100 people. And then of that 100 people, you know, like maybe 70 opened the email. So you've got like 30 sort of fall off, right? They never 
they never go anywhere. And, and it's like kind of like you can like a, a bar chart, like a, a horizontal bar chart, but that bar is constantly like splitting and rejoining or forking. I think I've seen that. You've probably yeah. seen these like in in you know New York Times, Washington Post, those sort of things. But Mine's it's a good me way of like, like water flow. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Anyway. So there's even plugins for Mermaid to do stuff like Sinky Diagram. So it's really powerful stuff, which is pretty cool. And that just came to mind for me because you were talking about doing flowcharts and stuff. And like I did that. Remember where we talked not that long ago about my email stubbing and rendering process and how it's this gigantic, monstrous nightmare process. Yeah. And so I, I did put together a Mermaid diagram of like, current and proposed states to like you were saying like do we need to do this step at all can i can i make it more efficient by moving this and parallelizing this and that sort of thing um which was helpful yeah i have it open i'm going to check it out speaking of emails you know i've talked i think i talked recently how i've been sending a lot of emails at work sending telling people about the state of the company and announcements and talking to enterprise customers about renewal dates and you know how, how this all affects the fact that the company is closing at the end of 2024. And it's been really interesting because I didn't know a whole lot about sending a lot of high volume emails. And I went into this not knowing how to build a lot of this stuff. So I didn't build a lot of the stuff and we would made a lot of, I don't want to say mistakes, but we would hit a point where like, oh yeah, we didn't account for this. Now I have to go back and tweak it. And then we'd run stuff again. And there was like, oh yeah, we didn't take suppression lists into account. We got to go and figure out how to integrate those back into our email sending. And oh, like we didn't think about this thing or that thing and, and link tracking and, and, and rerunning things and truncating tables. Anyway, my, my point is that I get to the end of this and it's been a very satisfying outcome. And it, it gives me so much comfort that I can go into a process really only understanding a fraction of what I need at the onset and still be able to build the thing that I need to build. And it's a reminder to not be afraid of that next time. That if I come against a big problem that I is big and hairy and I don't quite know how to get it done, I'm like, all right, let me just do the first thing I can think of yep. and see what happens. And then we iterate. And, and it's very comforting to know that, that that leads you down the right path, you know, if you're willing to accept the mistakes and fix them as you go. Yeah. I'm just like taking stabs at every little piece I can find and going, okay, does this still make sense? Am I still making sense? I was going to show my BA, my business analyst, just my pop-up box because I'm just so happy that you don't do 10 things at a time now. You just give it a number and it just does it all in the background by sending it to to like heavy process offload rabbit mq and stuff but i was like i can't show him this it literally is the dirtiest thing you've ever seen <laughs> it doesn't even have any style on it it's just rose <laughs> yeah i was like i'll make it look a little better and then show him <laughs> very cool all right <clears throat> well shall we move yeah, on your turn adam Let's do it. yeah all right so uh, given that this is a web development podcast i thought maybe you know 164 episodes in we should throw a bone to the browser. Let's just talk about browsers. <laughs> and, and honestly, a ton has changed since we started this podcast too. I think if we had pulled ourselves at the start and pulled ourselves now, our opinions would have changed and, and a lot has changed in the, the ecosystem. For me, what's most interesting right now, there's sort of two issues at hand. I feel like one, we are slowly inching towards a Chrome or chromium monoculture, which is mm. problematic. And then two, I feel like 
browsers are in danger of be like getting basically getting canceled for terrible people running them, right? So like all other things being equal, I think Brave might actually be a decent browser, I feel like. So it's Chromium based, which is okay, kind of a half strike against it just in terms of trying to avoid that monoculture. But it, it's, I like the rendering engine. It's got good dev tools because it's Chromium based. The, 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 the way that the window exists, right? The, 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 they call it the Chrome around it, but that's, that's, has nothing to do with Chrome, the browser. That's Chrome, the, the concept of like the, the borders and the window and the, the, what you see on the screen around the browser that's referred to as the Chrome of the window. And it, it's a decent browser. The problem is that um, Brendan Ike is the head of Brave Company, I think is what it's called. Um, and he has turned out to be a little bit of an unsavory person. You know, I think he was ousted from Mozilla for mm-hmm. um, campaigning against gay rights. And I personally support that. I support them ousting him for it. And now he's the head of Brave Company or whatever, making Brave Browser. And you know, everybody's you, everybody has to draw their own lines somewhere. And that's just a place where I choose to draw my line. And I, I, I was disappointed when I, you know, made when I connected those dots, and I decided I have to stop using Brave now. Fortunately, I'm very happy to be using Arc right now, which is another Chromium-based browser. But this one is wildly different than all the other browsers available right now, which is pretty awesome. And yeah, I don't know. I just I want to throw all that out there and now talk about because they're well because they're Chromium browsers. Are is the Dev tools in Arc the same as they would be in Chrome. Mm-hmm. They yeah, are. That's good because I, I don't think I could live without the Chrome Dev tools. Yes. So I guess the the obvious thing here is like, well, if you have a problem with the Chrome monoculture, why aren't you using Firefox? As a as a statement to myself here, and the problem is I've tried and it is painfully slow. Now I've made some changes in the last six months, which is long since I stopped trying to make Firefox work for myself, but. In particular, I found Firefox to be painfully slow in Gmail, like the web interface for Gmail, which was extremely frustrating because I have like six or eight or something like that Gmail accounts. So I have to have six or eight <laughs> Gmail tabs open, consuming all that memory, Amazing. slowing it down even further, right? And so, yeah. I don't know if you remember this. I don't think this still happens, but it used to be in the earlier days of Firefox if you opened the Firefox DevTools while you were in Gmail, it, at the top of the DevTools, it would actually give you a warning, I think. Mm-hmm. It would be like, yo, you should not open these in Gmail. It will destroy the performance. And I guess I guess it's because the DevTools starts hooking into a lot of page operations. Oh, interesting. So can, okay. No, I, and, I don't recall seeing that. I've seen something similar, right? Like you go, I think it's on like Facebook, right? If you pop open the DevTools on Facebook, it's like, you are probably here because somebody's trying to hack your account. Yeah, yeah, Stop yeah, what you're doing that. right now. <laughs> no, this was an actual performance warning. It would right. tell you, like, you just made a mistake opening this while <laughs> Gmail was open. You have chosen <laughs> porn. <laughs> so I use Firefox for my personal stuff, and I use Chrome for my work stuff. And that mostly revolves around the fact that I can now have two Gmail accounts open and not have to worry about browser mm-hmm. profiles because my, you know, they so have different fancy. sets of cookies. Yeah. I, this is one of those things where I'm such a laggard when it comes to probably anything that would make my life marginally better. 
because I know there are all kinds of things like user profiles where you can probably have multiple Gmails open in Chrome by having different profiles and shared bookmarks and all this stuff. And I'm just, I'm, I can't motivate to learn about any of that stuff. So my solution is I have one Gmail open in Firefox and one Gmail open in Chrome and, and I get on with my day. But I've been enjoying Firefox, I guess. I mean, I don't have any reason to not like Firefox, my personal stuff. One nice thing that it does have is the video players in Firefox allow for picture in picture. Mm -hmm. So I can pop a Firefox video open and for whatever reason in my version of Chrome, that's not available. I don't know if that's just a setting I can set somewhere, but it's nice to be able to open YouTube and Firefox and pop a video down to the corner of my screen and then go back to to my yeah. coding and, and have a little like so music video in the background. Arc does that by default. On I think it's anywhere that has video. It's not like it's not just YouTube or whatever, but like any yeah, yeah, yeah. HTML5 fair. video. I do it a lot. And if you just if you leave the tab, then it pops up a picture in picture and you can drag it around. You can make it I think it's by default oh, okay, always cool. on top. And you can resize it a little bit. And so that's handy. I'll do that sometimes. I don't so, understand why it's not available in Chrome though. Yeah. Aren't they all the same video players? I mean, that seems I assumed that was an OS level thing. I didn't realize that that was a browser level thing. I don't know. As far as like the monoculture thing, I wanted to ask you guys like, so, you know, it wasn't that long ago we had Christmas and Thanksgiving here in the United States. I mean, Christmas obviously is a a worldwide thing, but we recently, the the four of us had um, a lot of occasion to spend time with family not that long ago. And I was curious, like, did you guys get roped into doing computer updates for any of your family? And if so, did you like, it, you know, <laughs> it was this thing for, for your, I don't think it's been as much of a big deal since like we got evergreen browsers where they're just auto updating by themselves and that sort of thing. And, and pretty much everybody by now has either pushed their family onto either Firefox or Chrome and, and they're auto updating, or you might be on edge, which is also auto updating, but either way, um, you know, like, and that was a that was a thing, right? That was just part of the like I'm a tech worker holiday yep, experience. Yep. And my printer's and I, not working. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it wasn't so much for me this year. Like there's always like, you know, you get Uncle Joe asks, like, oh, can you fix my what my what my website or whatever? I'm like, probably not, but go ahead and tell me what you want to tell me. <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't know. Uh, do we have a responsibility to seed the the opposite of a monoculture a multiculture i don't know among our our family and our our inner circle well i'm gonna defer to carol here because i don't i don't spend that much time with my family (laughs) i don't people (laughs) (laughs) so i don't i don't like i didn't do any software stuff right but well sort of a little bit i did take the box of ethernet cables and my like cable power testers and my tools up to the in-laws house their winter house and i got their hot tub back on wi-fi again put a new router or a new modem on their their pool system and I got their surround sound back on their mobile apps because they had somehow logged out of their system. So it was just helping with that stuff. Oh and I and I got and, their and uh, their oh their th- their thermostats had never been put on Wi-Fi either. So I put their thermostats on Wi-Fi. So now before we go up there, I can set the temperature in the house to be warm. <laughs> Jeez, Carol, I, I, and you did all that, and that qualifies as not doing much tech work for your family. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, let's never compare each other <laughs> to our parents anymore. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't like going in and updating their computers or stuff like that. However, mm-hmm. their contractor did call me because all of a sudden his his phone, his i he has an Apple and iPhone. It stopped sending iMessages, and he couldn't figure out how to get it back on. So I got on FaceTime with his wife and showed her how to do it so that she could turn cellular data back on on his phone. I was like, I don't know how you turn this off. This is like an 80-year-old man doing contract work for them mm. that had no idea even how to get to his settings. So He probably like bumped it by accident. And- yeah, it's so easy to, yeah. to do something like that in your pocket or whatever. But yeah, so my family definitely yeah. takes advantage of me in the can you fix it realm, but I've gotten a lot better at it not needing to be what browser should I pick or update my browser or I'm 10,000 patches behind on Windows and what should I do? Mm. It's more of this cable no longer has connectivity. Could you replace it? Right. Or, I'm like, sure. Yeah, yeah. What about like viruses and, and malware, that kind of crap? Like, do you, do you ever go home and your parents have like seven Custom custom search toolbars in the browser. <laughs> yeah. And, and and the the mouse cursor is like a moose or something. I think they used to be much worse in IE, but oh yeah. But the new browsers don't seem to be too bad with that actually. Well, I will say I told my husband, I was like, We are no longer sharing any documents with your mom and dad because now I've seen what's on their computer and I see like where <laughs> everything's stored. I was like, do not give them any of our personal documents. Paper versions only, please. <laughs> <laughs> one thing so i don't fix things for for anyone really that doesn't come up but one thing that i do find very fascinating is watching people who i don't want to say are not tech savvy but are not on a computer 10 hours a day like like mm-hmm. some of us are and just watching them interact with the design decisions that were made by a piece of software and i remember when i switched from windows to mac i mean this has got to be a decade ago at this point and one of the things I was so excited about was Mac had, I don't know if they're called workspaces or, or something, you know, it's like you can, oh, you can kind spaces. of create these spaces where you create like virtual desktops that you can yeah. toggle back and forth between. And I was so excited and I was like, oh, I'm going to be so much more organized. This is going to be great. And day one, I started to try it and flipping back and forth between spaces was animated and took a while. And I was just like, well, this is awful. I will never touch this again. This is definitely not what I thought it was going to be. And I, I'm going somewhere with this. And I watch my my wife who, you know, she uses a computer all the time. She's just not as tech savvy. And she will maximize her window on Mac. So Mac, when you maximize a window, it like opens up into a new space kind of and hides all mm. the rest of the Chrome. Goes full screen, yeah. Yeah. And watching her try to understand how the windows are related because then she'll go to a different app and suddenly the one that was maximized like slides off the screen and she doesn't know where it went because it's not (laughs) showing up anywhere. And I'm like, yeah, these were all terrible, terrible design ideas. Like, of course they're going to confuse people. And, and there is something very satisfying about watching someone struggle with an idea that you thought was bad in the first place. Mm -hmm. What a jerk, Ben. It's like the, so, well, but it's yeah. like Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for the developer, not for the person who's suffering the, de- the yeah, design. Yeah, 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 exactly. The, the <laughs> other one that I find very interesting, you know, the world is obsessed with toggle buttons where you, it's not a checkbox anymore, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. a thumb that slides switch, back and forth, yeah. which mm-hmm. is just a checkbox. You know, you mm-hmm. can just click it. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a, like a rich interaction, but people who are not 
super familiar with how these things are implemented, will literally sometimes slide the switch with their finger left and right. And I'm like, you're making your life harder. You don't have to do that. It's just a button. But mm-hmm. because it has all this affordance to look like it's a slidey switch, people who are not tech savvy don't realize that. And it's it's just a fascinating view into the well, like knowledge bias, was it information bias, knowledge bias. It's like we can't get past the things that we know about how something works in order to see how other people will experience Like the curse of knowledge? Yes, the curse of knowledge. That's what I was trying to think of. It's just fascinating to watch other people use the system. For sure. As long as it's not mine, then it's just depressing. (laughs) Tiny little tangent. What I hate about checkboxes is when you look at the code in the back of it and it is not very clear. It's like there's a checkbox, but the value for the checkbox is is not this value. And you're like, wait, well, what Mm. does check do? Is it yes or no? Now I don't understand. So the toggles are nice. Double double negative situation. Yeah, I'm like, I hate when those happen, but I like the toggles because usually like text changes on the screen, right? You toggle it on and it's like, okay, this is now on. Toggle it off, now it's off. Checkboxes don't usually Mm -hmm. do that. I love a good checkbox. Yeah. All right. Well, we're we're a little over an hour in here, so maybe we'll wrap it up unless anybody has any final thoughts. Okay. All right. Well, I guess then this episode of Working Code is brought to you by Testicle Mart, purveyor of fine <laughs> testicle care packages. <laughs> and listeners like you, if you're enjoying the show and you want to make sure that we can keep putting more of whatever this is out into the universe, <laughs> you should consider supporting. Why would you want to? I don't know. <laughs> But uh, if you if you feel drawn to, you can support us on Patreon. Our patrons cover our recording and editing and transcription costs, and we couldn't do this every week without them. Special thanks to our top patrons, Monty and Giancarlo. You guys rock. We are going to go do our after show. If you want the after show, or if you're not sure what the after show is, we're just the, the outro music's going to play, and we're going to keep talking. And I don't think we have any idea yet what we're going to talk about, but we're going to keep talking. And if you want to hear that, then... That's available to our patrons. And not only do they get the after show, they get it early. As soon as it's done being edited, which is usually a couple of days after it's recorded, then it lands in their podcast feed automatically. So head to patreon.com slash working code pod. And you can join the ranks of those who help us keep the lights on around here. So that's going to do it for us this week. We'll catch you next week. Until then. Remember, folks, your heart matters. Especially you, Tim. We're going to be thinking about you when you're not here. Oh, yep. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.